Over at the Never Heard of It podcast, we've spent the last four years criticizing people's films and talking about how they could have made them better. Well, you know what? Now it's time to put your money where our mouth is. That's right. The Never Heard of It podcast and Night Shift Radio are making a movie. We are making a brand new sci-fi thriller called Somnium. Somnium is the tale of a brand new app, something kind of like TikTok, where people are able to watch others' dreams, everyone's dreams, anonymously across the world. However, our main character, Adam, starts to see dreams that look all too familiar, including dreams of somebody murdering him. So the question is, who is dreaming of murdering Adam? That's the question we look to answer in our brand new film, Somnium, but we need your help. We need your help in funding so we can pay the amazing crew and the amazing cast of this brand new film. Head to nightshiftradio.com somnium. Donate what you can, and if you can't, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Someone out there is going to be a rich weirdo that's going to want to fund this film. So again, nightshiftradio.com somnium. Thank you so much, guys. We look forward to making this movie just for you. Oh, top of the morn. I'm Sarah Sweeney, and this is Latchkey Kids. How are you? I'm having a weird couple of days. It's not a full moon. Mercury is not in retrograde. Third thing. But I am scattered and useless. Oh, I know. Maybe it's because a bunch of Nazis tried to topple the U.S. Capitol last week. It happened while I was speaking with today's guest. There we were blissfully unaware of all the white supremacists crawling their way up the Capitol building trying to make their way in for the, quote, revolution. Maskless revolution. Don't worry, I'm not going to get too heavy into this. The news has done enough and so has Twitter, but it's weighing on me, man. You? The irony, of course, being while I was, in fact, recording with today's guest, let's just say it, it's, it's Randy Bryce, the badass from Wisconsin who went up against Paul Ryan in 2018. Iron stash? You know. While we're recording, we were exuberant about Ossoff and Warnock having just been elected to the Georgia Senate. The Democrats finally taking control of not one, not two, but three branches of the government. Woo! How exciting. And we talked about that together, Randy and I. Anywho, I had exactly four minutes to enjoy my excitement of getting to chat with Randy Bryce on the old Zoomaroo, and then I checked my phone. And then I haven't stopped looking at my phone since last Wednesday. In fact, one of my resolutions was to, like, cut my screen time down by 30%. Hardy har har. Happy New Year, by the way. This episode of Latchkey Kids is the first episode being recorded in 2021. Anyway. One of my other resolutions was to sleep more. (laughs) Anywho, we have like a week and a half before Biden will be in office and then all the world will be right. Everything will be perfect. (sighs) I hope you're doing okay. Oh, for funsies, tweet at me. Hey, Sarah Sweeney on the Twitter. I'm just curious. Do you have resolutions? It kind of seems like a year where one shouldn't start a resolution right now. You know, Passover, the Jewish holiday, it's in the spring. Passover is like New Year's. It is new. It's Jewish New Year's. And uh, if you don't know about it, there's Google. Anyway, my husband for years has always said, New Year's shouldn't be in January. It's freezing outside. You don't want to do anything. The days are short. No, thanks. Real New Year's should be on Passover. It's beautiful out. It's a time for rebirth. Spring is springing. And, uh, you know, If you're going to lose five pounds or whatever your thing is, 
it's it's easier to do when it's bright and sunny outside, no? Anywho, thanks for joining me on Latchkey Kids. If you're new, the reason why we're called Latchkey Kids is because we're all at home left to our own devices without any adult supervision. Our guest today, I've already mentioned his name, but he is a U.S. Army veteran, cancer survivor, and union iron worker, known to many as simply Iron Stash. Back in 2018, he gave Republican Paul Ryan a run for his money and joined the race in Wisconsin's first congressional district. I am humbled to consume an hour of this man's time. Welcome to Latchkey Kids, Randy Bryce. How's it going? How's it going over there? They're they're literally certifying the election right now and you chose to be here. Imagine. I mean, thank you, Randy Bryce. Got to get, well, I mean, need to escape from the crazy. Yeah, no kidding. It'll take hours. Yeah. It'll be longer than The Sound of Music. Editor's note, the running time of The Sound of Music is two hours and 55 minutes. In the end, the certification of the presidential election was about 73 Sound of Musics. Don't check my mouth. Pretty crazy times. Crazy times indeed. Mm-hmm. And thanks for coming. This is so cool. Thank you, sir. Great to be with you. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Happy uh, Happy 2021. Happy or... 2021. So looking forward to this year starting. <laughs> it's a it's a huge day here in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Georgia is uh, is happening. And that was, I mean, who would have thought even last year that Georgia would have been so important and you know the trajectory of american politics amen i mean even even your your wisconsin flipped which was see but that that i mean actually living here it's more of an embarrassment that it ever went for somebody like donald trump i mean it's been because of the what they've done to the state since like scott walker and these extreme this extreme version of republicans that came in they're not even like the ronald reagan types where kind of middle of the road you know can kind of appeal to both sides if you look for something that you like you know this is they're out they're swinging trying to decapitate workers and yeah it's all about taking power away from from us and giving it to more people like them and then that enabled them to carve up the state i mean like the, in 2018 every statewide election went for democrats um mm-hmm. and just 20, you know, we got we had a new governor, new secretary of state, attorney general, lieutenant governor, treasurer. And so that shows that this, the state really is leading blue. 50, like 55% of the people in Wisconsin voted for Democrats, yet Republicans got 63 out of 99 seats in the state assembly, if that says anything. Why, why do you think people vote against themselves? I think what I've what I've run into here, I mean, this is talking to other people like in the Ironworkers Union, too. It's what's going on is that it's it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 that tribalism where people just they pick a side and they stay with that side. Um, and there's because they don't want to look like an idiot. Right. There's saying, nothing oh, wrong. wrong. They can do no wrong. You were pro fight for 15, living wage, single payer health care, Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, these all seem like really obvious benefits for everyone, mm-hmm. no matter how rich or poor or wh- wherever you come from. And I mean, I assume the guys who want to take away this, you know, health care for millions of Americans and loosen environmental protections and put kids in cages. I, f- I feel like they, they were raised on Mount Doom, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like in your campaigns, you know, you've 
talk to to everybody, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Did you have those moments ever of saying, okay, this is what we could have. And then the aha moment of, oh, that that actually does work better for me. It well, it, yeah, especially when you're talking about something like Medicare for all. I mean, and now in, in the middle of a global pandemic, yeah. what's a better time to put something in place like that? Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people I'm hearing they can't afford to be on the exchange. It's, I mean, it's great to have, um, but if you're paying like $600 a month just to have access to it, and that doesn't include the deductible, you yeah. know, thousands of dollars that you're going to have to pay up before you can even get anything out of being an exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, but just talking to people now, it's like, you know, having your healthcare tied to your job. Why? How is that? It's, it's so horrible now, especially with so many people losing their jobs and they don't, it's not because of their job performance. It's because of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, just thinking about somebody wants to start a business and I mean, struggling enough. Now I do, I do work with veteran owned businesses now in the state of Wisconsin, but just thinking, you know, here's here's somebody that wants to start a business and they want to do the right thing. They want to create jobs for people. They want to pay them well, make sure that they can take care of their families. And it's about bringing, bringing other people, you know, expanding your family, making your family bigger the, as mm-hmm. far as responsible business owners. Um, but just, you know, insurance is one of the things that just kills them. If all these employees already had health care before they come to you. You know, right. because of right. something in place like Medicare for all, that's one less thing that you don't, you don't have to worry about. And yeah. people know that they're going to have to, they'll pay more in taxes for it, but it's still, I mean, now. A fraction. Right. But I mean, like right now, um, like the Ironworkers Union, for instance, we're self-insured. Um, but basically our, our healthcare system is paying an administrator to come in and turn down our members' claims. You know, not everybody's going to get their claim approved. Because mm-hmm. then we wouldn't have any money left. We couldn't cover people. Um, and every year, whether you use the insurance or not, your costs go up. Our costs always go up. Yeah. Um, and it's like I want to say nine, like nine bucks an hour. I think is is taken out of um, for healthcare right now. I mean, you multiply that times forty hours in a week, and then multiply that times fifty two weeks to find out how much you're like we're actually paying. Even if we don't use it, that much money is coming out of our check. Now, think if we could like take a vacation or do something to put that money back into the economy. Um, vacation, that's crazy talk. I know, I know. After, I mean, and after 2022, it seems like an extended, you know, like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it vacation, but like extended time out, like go sit in your room kind of thing. <laughs> the opposite of vacation. Grounded. Yes. Um, but I mean, what better time to look at you know, things to give people hope. It's like, look, this is, and who knows, maybe with the, with the results in Georgia, we're going to be able to to do a lot more things like that. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I mean, I'm very thankful that Donald Trump, you know, by the end of this month, he's no longer going to be president. Right. Um, two weeks, two weeks. <laughs> I've only been counting down since like day 78. <laughs> <laughs> do now, especially with like the Democrats taking control of everything, we need to show people that, you know, going out and risking your lives during an election to vote or whatever you did to cast your vote, um, it's going to pay off. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're having people that believe in science coming. We have a vaccine that's going to be made available. Let's, let's make sure we can get it distributed to people as quickly as possible now. 
there are things to look forward to, but I, but still $600, you know, for a stimulus check after corporations have been bailed out to the tune of billions, trillions. Look, I mean, just looking at the other countries around the world, how they're like subsidizing their, their workers pay and they're so much better off. And I just, sometimes it's hard to get out of bed and be optimistic that, you know, today we're going to get some really good things done. It just feels like you're, you're banging your head against the wall, but I don't know. 2021 kind of helps me with a different outlook. Um, it's got a little, uh, it's got a little jingle in it does. spring in its step or something. Hey, if you're enjoying Latchkey Kids, be sure to subscribe and hit the little five-star jobby on your Apple appy thing and write a review, but don't write a mean one because I can't handle it right now. Okay. Back to Randy. How was your November 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and then the morning of the 8th? <laughs> It was, it was good. I mean, crazy. I don't know. It's just like bouncing from one, one thing to another, um, Mm -hmm. one election to another. Um, But I mean, with, you know, somebody like Donald Trump in the White House, it's really a terrifying place. And you just feel like you can't do enough. I I remember 20, you know, 2016 and going to sleep election night. You went to sleep? I, it was middle of the night. I was, you were able to go to sleep? I was. I was. Well, here's the thing. I, uh, I was supposed to, you know, I had to work the next morning. So I woke up in the about middle of the night and I saw that because this was when Russ Feingold was running for Senate against Ron Johnson. I mean, Russ Feingold is just just an amazing, amazing U.S. senator. One of, you know, the only guy to vote against the Patriot Act. But still, so I woke up middle of the night, you know, and MSNBC was still on in my bedroom. And I looked over and I saw that Ron Johnson won. And I was like, oh, man, just really crappy feeling. Yeah. Um, but I was like, but you know what? There's no way Donald Trump's going to be able to win. There's right. there's just no way. So I'll get to sleep and I'll wake up and at least have some good news. Right. And, oh, man, I just I, I woke up again. I felt like somebody kicked me in the gut and it was horrible. But I think, you know, people in 2016 just didn't believe that somebody like donald trump's gonna get elected president donald trump didn't think he was gonna get elected president it's like bob barker saying all right yeah come on down let's have the next president yeah exactly and now let's get to the point it's like looking at these republicans that are still standing up for him you know he's he's on his way out what are you afraid of and it's like what it's almost like what do they have on him like i mean something's going on and Hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to find out what it was. And, and also, um, we need to make sure that having total control over, you know, the um, over Congress and the White House, that we do get things done. Otherwise, we're really going to get crushed the next next election or the election after that. If people don't do you think it'll happen? Been do you think someone with like Kamala will lay down the iron of justice and that's maybe a bad term for her, but, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the hammer of justice and you know what I mean, but still nonetheless, I do, I do. like a powerhouse like her coming in never before seen in our white house. I have hope, but I also had hope, uh, you know, November, 2016, when I didn't think <laughs> I thought Hillary would be our gal. Yeah. Even on his way out, I just don't, it's like, you know, we have to make sure that that place gets sprayed down good so that, <laughs> you know, Joe and his family have a safe, clean environment to move into. Yes. I don't know. It's just like a dark period in our history. And it was, I mean, it's like living in the movie Idiocracy for four years. 
is what it's like. The only positive thing to come out of this is so much shit rose to the surface. Mm -hmm. Civil rights and and mm -hmm. the Me Too movement. And a lot of people finally got to speak up and say, and I, and I think a lot of it had to do with Trump making making light of, say the race is common, grab them by the pussy, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, there was backlash and good backlash. Mm -hmm. No, I, yeah. I mean, it did. It, it shone a light where it needed to be shown. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, you know, then we get a ruling too. I mean, yeah, it was great seeing people rise up wherever, you know, after um, a black man got shot in the back and, and the whole community was like, we're not having this. Right. But then I was wondering, because after it happened in Kenosha, and this was like a year ago, um, when it happened in Kenosha, it's like seeing the community and like, is, is something long term going to come about as a result of this? Or is this because mm -hmm. it seemed like, you know, people would get upset. Um, the the government would impose a curfew. People got upset by that, you know, started throwing some bricks. And then after they raised the curfew, they lifted the curfew. And then it was like, let the people talk and speak you know, what they were feeling, what they were going through, things settled down. Here in New York, uh, just just this past week, uh, the NYPD, which is certainly not the face of... <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> they tried out a, a program of easing back on police presence in an area called Brownsville in Brooklyn. Um, sort of notoriously high crime. And in the five days that they pulled back on police presence, it was it was just one 911 call was made and it was from a bus driver who hit the button by accident. <laughs> wow. So what does that tell you? I mean, you know, a microcosm of what defund the police could mean. They set up tables and tents of furthering your education and job training. And it gave me massive hope of what our country could become mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, and i mean too you know when you hear things like defund the police I, people get the wrong idea people think like you don't want to have any police whatsoever and i don't think that that's that's the case it's like i mean my dad's a retired he was a retired police officer i i don't think that's the case but it's like let's look at at what really needs to get done do we need like these these bearcat these um armored vehicles you know, to come no. pulling up, or could we use that money to like to have a a psychologist to answer calls instead of what like, a crazy idea with, instead of somebody, you know, that's going to point a shotgun at, at a guy that has that's obviously having, you know, psychological issues. That's just mm -hmm. especially now cope trying to cope with everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, um, it's going to drive people nuts. It's there's been mornings I wake up and I'm just like just feeling like you're you're living in in crazy crazy town um but for other people that don't have other coping mechanisms you're gonna act out and and just think yeah. like if you'd have a psychologist to send on a call that that knows how to deal with with people in crisis as opposed to somebody that's just dealing with people at their worst day in and day mm -hmm. out you know with where i live and for mental health issues in in the county i want to say there's like 15 beds for an entire county where i live but we have money for, you know, these vehicles for the police. And I, you know, and I get of that course. they're, you know, they're, they're on discount or, you know, things like that. But the fact is, if you have money, if you have means to get a big vehicle like that, an armored vehicle to come in that you're going to use once, maybe twice a year, mm -hmm. um, you should be able to have, you know, a staff psychologist as, as part of your team to answer calls, be able to, to deescalate things. They're, they're glorified tanks.
around Christmas time at Macy's, you'll see the the ridiculous under normal circumstances, ridiculously armed to the teeth guards outside of, you know, and it's it's NYPD with semi-automatic weapons outside of Macy's. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you're you're a cancer survivor and your mom has multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. Was navigating the obscenely screwed up healthcare system a catalyst for you running for office? It actually? absolutely was. It, it totally was. It was one of the biggest reasons why I got in. Um, because, I mean, after being in the Army for three years, I got back. Um, and then just like one of the first jobs I had was working with homeless veterans. And just looking like, look, here are guys that were willing to risk everything to serve the country. And now they're sleeping under a bridge. Yeah. Protecting our homes, yet they don't have one now. and. Then finding out that, um, you know, just more recently that the base where I spent, where I was sent to for basic training and and AIT um, had been shut down because it was found to be toxic. Fort McClellan, Alabama. And like the city. What's AIT? Advanced individual training, which is like where you go for your your military occupational specialty for like like MP. I was there for I I went in to be an MP. That was Mm -hmm. the place where MPs got trained. It was also the place where chemical warfare um, people were trained too, and they stored chemical weapons there. Did training. Everybody that was there came to find out was exposed to all this toxic stuff and got weird forms of cancer afterwards. I mean, just looking back at my family history, we don't have a, a history of of cancer like that. And I'm there's really no doubt in my mind that that I got something as a result of being stationed at, at Fort McClellan. There were, I mean, like mm-hmm. Facebook groups and just other people talking about this happened to me and trying to organize and get some kind of legislation passed so that it's at least recognized as being a thing because like the civilian population of the surrounding area made a settlement with Monsanto. Monsanto had a, a plant there too that Great. caused a lot of damage, um, which was a multiplier. But yeah, so, you know, getting out of the service and and having, if you needed to go see a doctor, you go, you can go see one when you're in the army. But as soon as you're out and you have your, your papers that say you're a civilian, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're pretty much on your own unless you're retired or it's something that was service related. So yeah, just, I mean, and then being in my, my twenties too, when I knew there was something wrong, I could tell, but it's like, when you're at that age, it's like, you're pretty indestructible and no, it's just going to go away. There's, you're right. you're going to live. You're going to get through it. So I, that's what I did. I, I toughed it out. Um, but like looking back, if we had a culture where people could go get checked it up, we had Medicare for all, you know, and you go get your annual checkup. It's something that would have been caught a lot earlier. Yeah. And it would have not only would it have cost a lot less to, to like have the tumor removed or whatever the procedure was going to be, but you're going to find things earlier and it's not going to be when it's an emergency. And if you can't, I mean, if you can't afford to go see your doctor now for regular checkup, how in the heck are you supposed to, to be able to afford these extra charges for being taken to the emergency room? And But that's that's what ended up happening. I, I stayed, finally my mom, she could tell that I, I was just in, you know, a lot of pain and her best friend was a doctor that she worked for too. So she was able to arrange for me to go in and, and uh, talk to a, talk to a doctor. And so after I got the diagnosis, he was like, yes, you have, you have cancer. Um, let's talk about treatment. He's like, I want to get the tumor removed soon because it's grown. Um, we need to get rid of it. And then, so we started discussing insurance and I was like, well, um, kind of screwed there. I don't have any. Yeah. 
And, and so luckily we had like the medical college of Wisconsin in the area. And so basically what I did was I signed on to be like a Guinea pig so that they could mm-hmm. have like the students come and, and be a part of it. Um, but that was, you know, there wasn't much of a choice of either do that or, or die was basically the decision. Yeah. Had. Um, but then again, I mean, you know, thankful that, that it was in the area because if not, you know, if, if we didn't have a program like that, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today, you know, and not just even like putting it all in my own, my own position, but it's like, here's somebody that served in the military that gets out. You deserve and, to be taken care of. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, even, even with that, it bankrupted me. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that tells you what kind of a system that we have. Um, That's true. And, and why it's not like, it's not from an irresponsible lifestyle. You know that I went. It's who knew who knew by, and, and probably quite possibly because of where where the government sent me. But then they don't want to recognize that this is an issue, even though the base has been closed down for for several years. Hmm. Um, yeah, when I started working, it was pre Obama, and um, so that the age twenty six thing wasn't in place yet. And I, I graduated college, and I was on my own, and and working in the entertainment industry, those n- massive billion dollar global corporations didn't offer uh, health insurance. You you fell under a category called permalance, permanent freelancer. And there was some loophole that they didn't have to offer it. So when I was about 22, I had bronchitis and I had bronchitis all winter long, but there I felt there's nothing I can do about this. And so I found a doctor, I'll put that in quotes, doctor who ran his practice out of his apartment. I learned when I got there. <laughs> And he gave me a proper prescription, but it was really uncomfortable. It was welcome to my living room. Uh, don't mind the dogs. Open huh. wide, you know. <laughs> yep, you got bronchitis, and and it's like I was I was the only person in his whole home, and willingly walked right in there. So sketchy on multiple levels, and uh, I lived. But you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people my age category and, and older who dealt with all sorts of crap before they turned 26. You know. Yeah. Um, you posted a while, like in October, that your mom was in the hospital for for her multiple sclerosis. How's she doing? She's better than she was back then. Thanks for asking. I saw it on Twitter, and I noticed also you got maybe several thousand well wishes. Yeah, that was nice. Um, that was that was really nice, and she she really appreciated that too. I mean, you are by all accounts beloved political badass. You know that. <laughs> How how has that changed your life other than your Twitter following? It depends on on where I go. Um, I mean, I was just talking about this not too long ago when Congressman Pocan invited me to be his guest at the State of the Union a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And just going there and being in front of, you know, like all the electives for, for the federal government and just all the Democrats coming up to you and shaking your hand, like, hi, how are you doing? You know, we're, we're pulling for you and stuff and then getting dirty looks from the Republicans. And it's whatever. It's good because it lets you know that you stand for something. And those people that like you put down and, um, you know, for, for good reasons for the people that, you know, insider trading or just trying to screw working people, Mm -hmm. um, and helping wealthy interest over us. It's good to know that people, know what I stand for and it's not what they stand for. So if you if you want to give me a dirty look because you're a Republican and I've been bashing you, 
it's it's going to put a big smile on my face because I know I've I've landed a punch and there's some reason why you dislike me. What do you think makes you so resilient? Me? Yeah. I just don't see there being any alternative to to giving up. It's like once you once you get in the once I get in the ring, it's like you might knock me down, but I'm just I'm not going to stay on the ground. I just don't. You're going to have to totally knock me out to keep me from getting back up. There's just too much. Um, too much on the line and and too many people that have been like, you know, what are you going to do next? Or just, just reaching out, sending a message. It was like, you know, this is going on. Could you help get this word out? Um, it's like from one thing to another. And, and mm-hmm. for me, it's always been important. Like when, when I see somebody running for office, I look at what they did before they decided to run for office. What, you know, what was their involvement or is this just all about them? Yeah. Um, wanting to become known or, or what's their motivation is what I get into it. Um, and then at the same time too, if they don't win an election, what happens to them after afterwards, do they disappear? Mm-hmm. Um, or are they still involved there? Did they get in that? I mean, that tells me did they get in it for the right reasons? Was it for them or was it for other people? Yeah. Um, and you have not disappeared. No, no, at I all. can't. And it's, and we've been able to like this last cycle, people were like, are you going to run again? And I, I felt I had more of a value helping other really good candidates that were, you know, like progressives that mm-hmm. aren't going to yeah, get Let's talk about help. Iron Pack. Right, right. That, I mean, they're not going to get a lot of help from the DCCC um, because they're, they're not self-funders, but they still have T- fantastic Tell ideas. the kids at home what DCCC means. Um, the Democratic Congressional um, Campaign committee okay the uh like the official arm of members of congress that are democrats uh, that help like recruit and you know keep keep democrats in the majority mm-hmm. um gotcha. okay. traditionally they they haven't helped progressive candidates and i think like in our case we were able to raise a lot of money so they kind of had to pay attention <laughs> to what was going on oh hang on Let's take a quick break so you can hear about the other podcasts on Night Shift Radio. Did you know Night Shift Radio has other podcasts? It's true. Let's take a quick break so you can hear about them. Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Alt Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Shift Alt Q. And on Twitch at Shift Alt Q to join the community. For more information about Shift-Alt-Q, visit nightshiftradio.com. I'm Michael Fight, and I'm here with a brand new show called Fight Jokes About Everything. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring up a brand new topic, something that's hot on the internet because because I live on the internet. And we're going to take those silly things and we're going to joke about them and we're going to, you know, talk a little bit about the history of them and talk about why the internet is such a terrible but wonderful place. So please join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for this brand new Night Shift Radio original. For more information, go to nightshiftradio.com and of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Okay, now back to Randy Bryce. 
a lot of progressives that are, are in it for the right reasons that don't have a lot of money. Um, they need, they need help. I mean, the powers that be that are already in place aren't necessarily going to, going to be there. They're not there just to help every single person that runs as a Democrat. You know, right. they have a limited amount of resources. Um, I think it's so important for people that have great ideas and that are running for the right reasons to help mm -hmm. people um, to get as much support as they can. It was it was a lot of making connections. Team of do-gooder campaign hacks. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it was, um, we actually talked about it at um, the gathering, Bernie's event after the 2016 election in Vermont. Mm -hmm. we, we, a bunch of people went and sat down. They're like, you know, what are you, what are you doing next? And it was just like a lot of strategizing. It's been great to get a lot of help from people throughout the country. Um, but it's, we need more of that. We need more of that, yeah. more things helping grassroots candidates. If we want more people like us to run for office, we have to be able to support them. <laughs> We're on a delay. <laughs> oh. um, hello, welcome to Zoom. Um, do you have any candidates <laughs> that you're especially excited about? Well, it was, I mean, like J.D. Shulton was an amazing candidate in Iowa that was running. He was terrific. Um, Mike Siegel in Texas. Christina Ramirez was running for Senate in Texas. There were some good candidates in Texas that I, I wish would have would have been around longer. Um, Andrew Romanoff was running in Colorado, who was another, I mean, fantastic progressive candidate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like just helping, you know, pass a microphone around. I was lucky to be in a position to have a have a platform. We could have we could have beaten Paul Ryan, but to bring a guy in that nobody knew about in that district, it's it's going to be rough. You know, like a, a mm -hmm. Brian said, it's going to be rough. But I told people like election night, this was never just about winning one election. This is about furthering a movement. I mean, when Bernie endorsed you, I can't imagine how that must have felt. Oh, it was yeah, it was amazing, and we. I mean, we did, we had an early meeting with Bernie shortly after we got into the race, but we had, it was kind of a secret meeting where like went to, to Washington, D.C. and uh, met with him, um, a couple of his, his main people. And it was myself, campaign manager, my campaign manager. We went another person to help set the meeting up. And he was like, all I'm going to tell you is just be yourself. That's the best advice I can tell you before meeting with, with Senator Sanders and so we did. That's impossible advice, though. I mean, like, no pressure. Be yourself. <laughs> Everything's yeah, riding on us. Good luck. <laughs> but I, yeah. Um, but I mean, when it was all said and done, it was like, you know, because he, then he sat down and he was like grilling me. He's like, why are you doing this? What do you think about this? Um, and then it was like, well, how could I, how could I be helpful? What, like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And all I asked was for, you know, like, if you could show up, it was like I didn't ask for money. And I think that that was a concern because he had such, you know, his list was so huge. Right. It was his support meant everything to me in that race. Just like if you get somebody like, you know, a Senator Sanders, like I believe in you, that's, that's a green light. And that's yeah. huge. And it doesn't like you, you couldn't raise enough money to get that kind of an endorsement, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that, then that meant everything. And then, you know, after, they left. Um, then the person that set the meeting up with me was like, that couldn't have gone any better than it did. Joe Biden also endorsed our campaign. So it was, and that was where That's I was nice. talking again about like building a movement, finding ways to sell your ideas with, you know, like a Medicare for all and like how it could help businesses. It's, 
yeah. um, as opposed to, you know, like, because people sometimes look at unions and, and companies at, at being at odds. Um, when in fact, the way that it works the best is when you're not. I mean, like for in, in the ironworkers um, union, we have contractors that we work with, you know, like every month they come into our apprenticeship meetings, um, their representatives, and they tell us what kind of jobs they're going to be bidding on. And mm-hmm. we adjust our training to make sure that our members can make them a lot of money on these jobs. They're like, what do you, okay, so what jobs do you have coming up? You need our members to be trained in like um, running these kind of, like a lift, a man lift. Um, so we'll make sure we have everybody certified for doing that. So you have an unlimited amount of, of bodies to get this job done. Um, any other kind of training, you know, welding, different kind of processes. Um, so we do that in order to keep our contractors they get their money's worth when they hire us. And yeah. it's, it's a really great relationship. The union um, and company relationship isn't, isn't always confrontational. There's no need for it to be. Mm. Um, and there's a way to get through it so that everybody benefits. It's like you can provide the most highly skilled, productive workforce. Um, all we ask is that you take care of us and give us a safe work environment. And... Which is sometimes I grew up in a union family and sometimes that's too much to ask. Right. Right. It, it, which it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. Um, and then you, you know, too often too, you hear now, Oh, unions were good back then, but now they're, you know, like dinosaurs are outdated and that nothing can be further from the truth, especially looking right. at, you know, like how gig workers are, whether it's like Uber or, or Lyft. Now when mm-hmm. you're coming in and, and being classified as, as, um, like contractors instead of employees where they're ending right. that you don't have to give them benefits according to the law that are in place. Um, but we need to adapt to make sure that all workers are, are taken care of. Yeah. And, and people need to look too to see that, you know, when somebody's getting government assistance, it's not really that person that is benefiting, but it's, Whoever employees has been shortchanging them, has been taking advantage of them and getting away with not providing health care or not giving, not paying enough money that they can keep a roof over their heads and get food. It's time to stop looking down on people um, that don't have enough money. Being poor costs a lot of money. Just, you know, whether it's like a bank account, if you just have a couple dollars in, in your bank account and like one check bounces. I was talking to somebody and it was like, they're like, I had enough money to cover the end of the month bills. But then like one check he forgot about bounced. And then, so like they took out a $20 fee. So that one miscalculation can really, really put you on Thank there. you. Yeah. I can't remember what percentage of people don't have a thousand dollars, you know, if an emergency comes up or even $400. Um, yeah. What do you I mean, do? it's astounding for our alleged first world country. Right, right. We can do so much better. And that, that's why I'm really happy to be in the year 2021, because I'm feeling really good that things are going to change better. I think it's, we're still going to have a lot of, a lot of rough things to go through to navigate, but we're on the right track. And I, I think we need to now more than ever, just not sit on our hands and say, yay, we have a democratic majority here or there. Um, and just hope for the best. This is where right. like, we're going to need activists to come out and be louder than ever um, and put pressure. Because we've seen that putting pressure on our electeds does work. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Especially as um, especially young, young, young people happened. are coming. Damn, and that's delay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> young young yeah. people are coming up. Oh, yeah, I'll say it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, or like, Vote, it's like, fantastic. You get in front of it um, and, and demand because things don't happen in this country by kindly asking, yes, please, can, you know, can you do this for us? Could you kindly ensure I survive? Right. <laughs> so, no. And I, and I mean, I give them all kinds of credit where it was like, look, you don't, this is one group you don't want on your backside hounding you to do the right thing. Um, okay. So I told a handful of friends that you agreed to be on this podcast and each and every one of them lost their goddamn mind. So I have, I have, a, <laughs> I have a listener question for you. Okay. My really good friend, Matt Ehrman, he is from Milwaukee. Uh, he lives in Brooklyn now, but he's from Milwaukee. And he asks, anyone I've spoken with who grew up outside of Wisconsin defines it by two things, beer and cheese. Mm-hmm. What defines your Wisconsin? And it can be beer and cheese. <laughs> it's hard to disagree with beer and cheese. Because um, <laughs> those are the first two things I think of too. Aside. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, just the people here are really, really fantastic. Um, it's true. I know four people from Wisconsin, and they're all awesome. And you're one of them. <laughs> it's just, I mean, like because we, we have our, like our fish fries, and I mean, it's just the weather too. So it's like the people and the weather are, you know, you hear if you don't like something in a few minutes, it'll change. It it mm-hmm. really does that here. Oh, all along, I thought that was a New England thing. That's where I'm from. It's here too. Oh, well, gee, microclimates. <laughs> um, yeah, I stole my beer and cheese thing. That's cranberries, too. Cranberries are big. That's something that again, New England. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, and you maple syrup. We, we talk Vermont is New England. I mean, whatever, whatever. Are you like, are we like sister nations, if you will? Kind of, sister regions? Yeah, well, I mean, um, a couple years ago was the first time I was in Vermont, and it's beautiful area it was it was i love new england it, it's it, not bad they know what they're doing over there yeah i'm from rhode island have you ever been to rhode island i haven't been to rhode island oh, rhode come island. on over my mom's there she's awesome in the last episode of this podcast i talked about hot weenies which maybe i just need to start bringing it up in every single episode and we know each other and i i've brought this up in every single episode you're my third guest um <laughs> Thank you again, by the way, um, <laughs> that we sort of met through Twitter because we share a birthday. Right. Right. December 9th. It's yeah. the best day. Yeah, it, it is the best day. And there, and it's funny, too. There are two other guys. Um, one was a, a supporter of our campaign, Aaron, who lives in Oakland. And another one is named Lee, who lives in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, just it was about a year ago. I got like an invitation. Aaron was like, I'm going to be in Chicago you know, my friend Lee is doing work on uh, an apartment complex that he inherited from his mom who passed. And he's like, yeah, it'd be great to see you again. Cause he, I mean, he lives in Oakland. So mm-hmm. he's like, well, come up to Milwaukee. So we met at a place and then we, we found out something that was interesting. They both handed me their driver's license and I was like, okay, what am I looking at? And then as I stared at them, they both were born on December 9th as well. Get out. And it was just the craziest thing. So, we, yeah. Are we starting a club? I think so. Well, that's maybe why I'm bringing it up. I'll, I'll add them. Um, I don't know if. I John don't know Malkovich, if Judy Dench, if you're listening. 
Yeah, and Stacey Abrams is also burning December 9th. Get out. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it's a hell of a day to hang out with you then. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know if I don't know if we can get her in our club, but it would be nice. I, I met her at Net Netroots a couple of years ago. She's just amazing. And it's just so amazing to see what she's done too. Um and literally she, help save the country. Help save our country. Yeah. What she's 15 talking. years in the making, 10 years in the making. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, um, so you built this whole persona around being the iron worker with the mustache or did it build around you? It, that came about, that was kind of funny too. After Scott Walker was elected governor in Wisconsin, I took the Facebook. That was like the social media platform that I Back used then. to have. We helped organize, we organized around that, like creating events, show up here, um, help us get recalled signatures at this location. And so I, I would go to the National Billing Trades, had a legislative conference every year. And I met the guy that did social media for the National Billing Trades. And he was like, when you come to this meeting, we should go like hang out and just talk social media afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I did. Um, we hung out for a little bit. And he was like, you should get on a Twitter. And I was like, I, I kind of I like that you called it the Twitter. The Twitter, yes. Get get on the Twitter. And and so I was like, I really don't know too much about it. And so he was like, well, you should try. So I just, at the spur of the moment, it was like, well, you got to come up with a name. So I was like, okay, what the heck? I was like, all right. So just it just kind of fell out of my mouth. I was like, how about this? He was like, oh, that's great. That's perfect. That's perfect. So kept it. And then when we decided to run our congressional campaign, you know, we discussed, well, should we, let's have like a, a Randy for Congress or make up a different one. And I was like, no, just use the one I've been using. Just, mm -hmm. it's me. I'm just going to be me. I'm not trying to be anything different. I think that actually helped our campaign as opposed to like having a, a different, like a, a congressional thing. It's memorable. And people dug way back to like one of my first tweets and, you know, where they're, they're doing Apple research, trying to make you look bad and stuff. You know, still, it's me. And I've, I've never claimed to be like a perfect person. But, you know, I've I've dealt with a lot of crap that other people have. And that's mm -hmm. that's why I ran, because I think that people that have had to deal with crap are the ones that know what needs to be fixed. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's where I'm coming from now. That's why I am. You're coming fixed. from life experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and. I think the people that have had the crappiest lives deserve to be the ones that are making decisions that understand what's going on. That, that makes perfect you know, sense. No, notice like to feel pain and that care. I mean, because obviously, you know, the guy that's on his way out obviously doesn't care about any one of them. He doesn't care about his own people having, you know, these big live events during a global pandemic. Yeah. They're fun. Kirk Cameron and his sing-along. Yeah. <laughs> Super yeah. fun group. Um, can you walk us? Can you could could you Randy Bryce Iron Stash of Wisconsin? Could you walk us through your mustache upkeep regimen? <laughs> it's there's not because in quarantine I've grown a little of my own and I need some tips. <laughs> you know, it's well basically I just keep it. I, I mean, and like during when I was going around as a surrogate for burning, I let it get a little crazy. During quarantine, it's really crazy to have to need to go through all that. So it's just basic, just keep it trim so I don't eat it while I'm having dinner. <laughs> um, 
And then, if you have like, like if a I, milkshake, do you get a serious milk mustache, <laughs> literal mustache? No, I've been I've been pretty good about that. I've been pretty good. Oh. I, I think for you, I'm eating garbage like a monster these days. <laughs> I'm, and now I'm getting to the point too where I got to cut the gray ones when they start coming Uh-oh. out too. Because as you pointed out, I wasn't born in the 80s. Was that 80? <laughs> I, I think you made very clear to me that there was like um, something. Kind of I don't know. What, I don't know what you're talking okay. about. All right. I thought. I thought not. Oh, the the late seven. I'm just kidding. I'll see myself out. <laughs> but oh, but do, I do want to know you. Your dad was a re- retired cop, mm-hmm. and your mom worked at a doctor's office. Were you ever a legitimate latchkey kid? Um. Yeah. 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 Because when I was in grade school, I remember getting home. I had like a key and yarn that I wore around my neck. Um, and I would get home, let myself in True latchkey kid. Yeah. And go hurry up. I'd, I'd race home from school to like turn on speed racer and I would make I would, like ice cream and put something. You're getting ahead of the lightning round. I would sit in front. Yeah. And I would watch speed racer, but yes, I was, okay. I was. That's awesome. Um, so that just naturally flows into the lightning round which is a segment I have not bothered to rebrand more cleverly. Um, Lightning round, welcome. Okay, I'm going to say a thing, and you say exactly what comes to mind of your youth. You've already answered two of them, damn it. Okay, ready? Okay. Cereal. Lucky Charms. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Cartoon. Um, Speed Racer. Not that, yep. Live action show. Oh, um, back then my grandma had me into The Price is Right. Oh, I loved The Price is Right. Yeah. Um, at home hygiene. Wait, let's go back. What's your Price is Right favorite game? Price is Right favorite game was like at the end when they had to like bid on the whole package. Oh, the going over. What was that called? One dollar, Bob. What was that called? I'll look it up. Mine was Plinko. Mm. Okay. was a good one yeah that was a- you remember it yes i do i do <laughs> something about the absolute zero strategy involved in it just spoke to me yeah not unlike <laughs> this podcast <laughs> um at home hijinks whoopee cushion hiding whoopee cushion <laughs> awesome um collections Co- i collected coins oh really what kind um all different kinds i had um like i remember my mom dated somebody that was in vietnam so he had like coins from vietnam i collected a lot of american coins like old um silver dollars mm-hmm. um, like a lot of old nickels old pennies just overall old coins old things yeah yeah i was into awesome. coins and stamps i i collected stamps don't tell anybody it was dorky <laughs> but I collect. I won't tell. Too. I won't tell a word, and, no, and nobody <laughs> who ever sees this will ever believe you either. So it's our secret. Thank you. Um, candy or disgusting snack? Candy. I love. Um, my grandpa, when he stopped smoking, he got the, like those root beer barrels or those butterscotch discs. Nope. Those are- <laughs> what? <laughs> what are they? 
hard, it was hard candy that was, that tasted like some were tasted like root beer and others tasted like butterscotch. Oh, never heard of it. Good. Right. Really Did good. you have a disgusting snack? I'd go home and like, cause I couldn't turn the oven on or the stove. I'd like, I'd make honey sandwiches with white bread. Um, cold pop tarts. Oh yeah. Delicious. You don't need them hot. Mm-hmm. No, no, they're fire state. They start fires if you put them in the toaster. Yeah, exactly. The sugar right. caramelizes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, band. Band kiss. I love kiss growing up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, video or arcade game? Um, um, what was Asteroids? This is before my time, so I'm just going to nod and smile. Okay, I'll have to keep this in mind now because now I'm starting to feel older. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't you worry. I have original 1986 8-bit Nintendo hooked up in my living room Uh-oh. right now. Come on over. Oh. So I'm dating myself too. So there you go. Huh? You got the one like with the airplanes and then the tanks? Is that the one with Nintendo? The... I'm thinking no. I'm thinking something else. Never mind. Atari? I just, I just dated myself again. Never mind. Never. You know, Nintendo, yeah. old Nintendo, yeah. you open up the door, you go like whoosh, into the cartridge <laughs> Yes, and then, and then you, you play for uh, 20 minutes and then you get bored. Yeah. That's me anyway. Um, okay. I had originally asked you to prepare a reading of a TV show theme song, a dramatic reading of a TV show theme song. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if you were game or not, cause you were kind of aloof no offense yeah i i I got one (laughs) i got okay all right it's it's appropriate it's appropriate for today after Mm -hmm. uh, i mean just like with the new year coming up um and then just having what's what appears to be a you know a good night last night a good recent election Mm -hmm. so yes i came i i did i do have. don't say what it is you just launch right into it okay so you all right let me to read it dramatically. Dramatic reading. You're on stage. Shakespeare's in the corner, whatever. <laughs> whatever whatever brings you to your, your mental happy space of drama. Okay. Anytime? Just go. Anytime. Okay. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please. Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> All right. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a hard time containing myself and I was afraid to hit mute on my end because I don't fully understand Zoom. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. It was super fun. It was I'm a so lot of fun. to hang out with you. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot. Thank of fun. you. Thank you for uh, thank you for cutting into your uh, vote certification time. Thrilling, thrilling TV experience. It was no, it was 
well well timed um break a well timed break cool thanks, thanks <laughs> for the invite this is great i'm really glad you're doing this sarah thank you so much randy it's great to meet you digitally likewise well, have a fantastic day a zillion thanks to our guest today randy bryce iron stash check him out on the twitter at iron stash and if you're interested in the candidates he is backing check out ironpack.org that's I-R-O-N-P-A-C.org. Latchkey Kids is produced by Nightshift Radio, a modern media company specializing in creating and cultivating original podcasts. Our director of content is Michael Fight, which is most definitely not his real name. Our director of operations is Caleb Coy. Kitsy is our director of production with design help from Debbie Bostwick.